So Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept? You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more. So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King. You know, uh, uh, I, you might be old enough to remember like Fred Flintstone. You remember that show? Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Fred and Barney used to always come rolling in. You know, no floorboard on the vehicle. They'd stop that joint like midstream. You never, ever had ashy or callous feet. Like, I'm, I don't understand any of that at all. But, but they would absolutely make their way into each and every episode. That's exactly how I feel today. Like, I'm sliding in to this episode. And trust me when I tell you, well, let's just say, um, well, we're not going to talk about my feet. But the bottom line is I'm here. I'm good. <laughs> So I haven't had a pedicure for <laughs> nine months. I'm just going to go ahead and say that out loud about my yeah, feet. So man. maybe it's yes, yes. Can be like our next time we see each other, we can go get pedicures together. Have you ever done that? Yeah, well, I think I've done it maybe like it's been less than five times. So um, I'm just not there's something about me sitting in the chair and the whole feeling, the whole experience, like I'm not a person who does <laughs> body massages and any of those things. And I know how, how much they are appreciated by people. It's just for me, I'm always like, yo, I don't know if I really want a whole bunch of folks in my space like that. So uh, it's not the thing that I normally do. And, and I got to tell you right now, these feet ain't beach ready. So I guess COVID is, no. is pretty good in this particular time. <laughs> so it's it's okay to have those Fred Fred. Yeah, yeah, feet. yeah. You put some socks on and keep it popping. That's what you do. Amen to that. Yes, so hey, did you see um Tim Sackett's article? Do you get his his little what is Tim Sackett talking about today what? every single day of your I, life? I talked to him, I told him, I said, How do you write every day like this? Like I I I, I get oh. it. And and admittedly, I don't always have a chance to read them. But when when I do read them, I always read with the intent of sharing and pushing out his articles because he's always dropping something good and worth consideration. But no, I did not see the one about him renewing 
his Sherm membership. And that absolutely is a big thing because a lot of folks was tweeting about that over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Tim is, um, he's always going to tell you what he thinks, right? That's one thing I love about him is he's always going to say exactly what's on his mind in a generally fairly diplomatic way. Um, and, and so he, he went on to say he is renewing his sure membership and, and why that credential is important. Um, and also that he doesn't get paid by Sherm. But I, I'm curious as to what our, our listeners think. I think I've been pretty clear as to my thoughts on giving Sherm my money or my my organization's money in terms of of you know exhibiting or anything like that at the conferences. Um what what's the feel that you're getting? Yeah, well the feel that I get uh through my Twitter timeline outside of maybe, you know, ten people. And and I have a pretty decent number of followers, a pretty decent number of HRTA type people that show up. You know, they're always messing around with the algorithm. And sometimes you get to seeing people like, wait a minute, I didn't even know I was following that person. But but inside of my my feed, um, you know, outside of maybe five to ten people, Julie, most people are like, uh, why? Like, why would I renew it? Um, you know, and I don't weigh in on the conversation. One, because I don't think it's totally fair. You know, I've, I've sent out that one tweet where I included Johnny, and I consider Johnny to be a personal friend. So, um, but I'm not a member of Sherm. I've never been a member of Sherm. I'll never be a member of Sherm. So I'm very, very clear in that. And it's not that I don't see value, but, you know, I've gotten this far. You know, I'm and so I don't you know, I don't I don't see a reason for me to join it uh, at this particular time in my life. I just kind of like to sit back with popcorn and, and watch, you know, what other people are saying, pro, con, plus, minus uh, about the organization. So so that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's it's interesting about, you know, it, it always used to be the cool kids club. If you didn't have your sure membership, you you, you just weren't in the know. Sure, all my damn life, I know, always. Right. Not as cool and, as you, and, and but also me, me. Let me tell you, and some of the and the, the way that I've seen some of them folks show up in their gear, uh, I, I know oh. I'm cool. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know the dude with with the the the, the sheer socks and sandals on. You know, first oh of all, yes, you understand what I'm saying? Like you don't so those mandals, yeah. Yep. So you know, I'm cool regardless. I don't need the designation. Kid already knows how cool he is. But continue. Go ahead. Yeah, well, it, yes, not cool as in cool, but exclusive. I guess I got is a better you. way to say it because I've seen some of them slides with socks at the at the after parties. <laughs> not kidding. Um, yeah, and, and, and but the, it seems that we've we've taken a turn. I think in the Sherm world, and, and I I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as it used to be. I I could be wrong, but check me in a year. Well, we'll see. I mean, again. Um... The organization is going to absolutely do, you know, what it's, you know, known for doing, which is uh, uh, finding a way to align um, with the, uh, I don't want the core, the core audience, finding a way to align with those staunch supporters, the people that believe and still subscribe to exactly what you just said, the people that believe and subscribe to the fact that uh, they are the one who 
sort of has a monopoly on the information and the best practices and you know the 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 latest uh, to know tactic or whatever you know and i think they'll keep that body i, I mean i think sherm is membership is over 300,000 people it's less than 500,000 but over 300,000 i don't see them taking a big hit you know i, I see them you know still running with 250,000 275,000 um but I think the people that will walk away are the people that are more like enough is enough. You know, enough is enough. And like, again, you know, and, and we don't, I don't want to belabor this, but I mean, again, I stand up and, and I don't care what mic I'm in front of. You've had a Sherm membership where you're in HR, but what did you do about me too and time's up? Yep. What'd you say about pay inequity for all of these years for women? So I don't need to pay yeah. for a membership to be complicit in the bullshit. No, and it's not an excuse for the bullshit either, right? So your your sure yeah. membership is not is not a a free get jail, get out of jail free card. And I can tell you, some of the freaking HR people I've seen on LinkedIn, y'all need to give that little credential back because yeah. I've seen how you talk. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. So anyway, just just check out Tim. Let us know what you think. I, I'm I'm curious to see where DNI really overall is with it. Um, in general, if we're just keeping it to keep it, that kind of thing. Um, but we've got a good show this week. I, I'm excited um, to you know have our chat last week about environmental racism, which I think is something we need to talk about yes. more. Yes. Um, I think student loan and student loans would be a great conversation to talk about from a DNI perspective in the next few weeks as as that really comes to a head. But this week, we, we have a, a special topic. Absolutely. And I got that little like, fake drum roll. I don't know if it's getting picked up on my microphone. But, you know, before Transgender Day of Remembrance, which happens to be on November 20th, this is Transgender Awareness Week. And, and this year, Julie and I designed the show around the visibility of transgender people and addressing the issues that the members of that community face. And trust me, they face issues that continue to push them into the shadow on the fringes or um you know the outskirts the boundary of what we consider to be a, a full life and and it's completely unfair to them and so transgender day of remembrance was actually founded by a transgender advocate her name is Gwendola Ann Smith and she founded it as a vigil to honor her um memory of Rita Hester, who was another transgender woman, <clears throat> pardon me, killed in 1998. And uh, it's been a lot of murders, unfortunately, in this audience. Jamie Wareham on Forbes said that 350 transgender people have been killed in this year. And that figure is up since last year's total of 331. And being one of the most violent years for transgender individuals that we have on record. And, and I don't want to, I, I don't want to focus on someone's life or their value based on the rate at which they are facing violence. But I think as we look at transgender individuals and their stories as a whole and become more engaged and more intertwined with transgender people in our life, 
it's important for us to understand that the words and the language that we use um, can sometimes promote or prevent stereotypes and and ultimately violence against transgender individuals, um, most of which suffer violence are transgender women and a lot of transgender women of color. Yeah. And let me tell you, for a lot of people, Julie, they don't really understand. And, and I'm in some ways amongst the audience that I'm describing right now. But for a lot of people, they don't understand really how large the transgender population is. They don't understand some of the, you know, the pronouns associated with it. So maybe you can kind of jump in and give us some of the backstory uh, to to maybe help some of our newer listeners or our our consistent listeners to extend their education of the audience. Yeah, I, I mean, it, and I think it is important for us. I, I think your your spot on torn is that we do have to start at the at the top, even as town acquisition, HR pros, um, even even DNI pros are still expanding their knowledge and their comfort level with the basics of how to engage uh, transgender people in not just the workplace, but our lives, right? The tra- being transgender, being LGBTQ is not something that starts when you become an adult. Um, the New York Times recently came out with an article that said one third of New York City's foster kid population identifies as LGBTQ. Um, so these are just kind of good lessons to take throughout life. And the transgender population in the U.S. is just under a million and a half people that we are aware of um, in, in the world. It is, is obviously much larger, but I think it's even just a good kind of let's level set, right? About 1.4 million people in the U.S. identify as transgender, transgender, excuse me. And, and what does that mean, right? And so GLAD tells us that Transgender is an umbrella term for people whose gender identity or gender expression differs from that typically associated with the sex they are assigned at birth. And let me jump in real quick. And inside of that 1.4 million or taking into consideration GLAD's definition of typically associated with the sex that they were assigned at birth. So when we look at that number, are we looking at individuals that have gone through the full transition or could Torin still show up as Torin but be preferred to but prefer Torino if you will I I wear a dress you, you understand what I'm saying what I'm trying to ask yeah yes yes and that, and that's actually I think one of the questions that when I am with my my friends who are transgender that they hear asked most often is, is what exactly does that mean? And, and curiosity gets the better of, of people sometimes. Um, and, and I'm glad that this is one of the questions I wanted to make sure that we addressed today. And right, as you transition from one gender identity to the other, um, it, it's not... It's like it's very complex, right? It's not just, hey, if I have a surgery, then that means I'm transgender. Or if I dress as this gender, it means I'm transgender. There are transition is super personal and generally a, a 
sometimes a years long process for people. It's personal, right? It's like coming out and telling our family and our friends that we identify as a gender different than what we were born as. Um, it can be medical, but a lot of times it's not medical. And so we shouldn't overemphasize the role of surgery in a transition process, right? When we become, when a person changes gender, it's really when they choose to make that outward expression and identify as a transgender person, regardless of the rest of the steps that they have to go through. Does that does that make sense? It, the way I'm saying exactly. it, exactly. And I like the fact that you said the rest of the steps because it's not just a physical uh, transition. And even if Torin refers to himself as Torino, there's a psychological, there's an emotional transition that they, I, I want to say that they go through. I don't, I don't want to put a a finish on that, if you will. I think that there's there's always some degree of of transition. But again, I'm speaking as a straight black man and I haven't gone through that journey and, and I don't know if there's an end point, but I'm glad that you did say that there are yeah. several steps. Yeah. And, and there absolutely can be medical interventions and, and medical um, approaches to help a person in their transition, but it's definitely not a requirement. And it's not something that as, as cisgender, non-transgender people, um, that we should assume is necessary to be a, a transgender individual. It's, it's absolutely not. And, you know, one thing that I, I saw like about a week and a half ago, um, I watch MSNBC all the time for, for my news and Claire McCaskill, um, former Senator from the state of Missouri, she seems fantastic. I enjoy her when she's on MSNBC. Was talking about some election stuff, and she used the term transsexual mm. when she was talking about transgender. Mm -hmm. And needless to say, the the far left part of the party just roasted her, and she used the wrong term. And so I thought even just now, if we can say the, the terms transsexual and transvestite are not appropriate, those are not words that we should be using in our conversations about transgender people. Um, the, the right terminology is um, a transgender person or individual and the transgender community. So words like transsexual, transvestite, and transgenderism are actually not appropriate for us to use. Some are outdated. Some are really stereotype and, and bias-based. So, you know, she had to come back on TV and apologize for using a word that used to be appropriate um, and wasn't anymore. So that just reminded me, we've got a lot of education to do in, in this part of our, our work. Absolutely. And again, did, did you say she apologized? She did. She did. She yeah, did. Yeah. She, and, and again. Yeah. I just keep telling people it's all right for you to to make a mistake. I, I was talking about you, you and I earlier on another recording this week. And, you know, the person said, well, well, why do you all call it crazy in the king? And, and what about mm -hmm. the people who who might be offended? Uh, I was on Geeks 
Googlers, geeks, geezers, and Googlers. Um, I, I think I probably got the G, one of the G's out of the out of order. And they say, but, but but what about people being offended because you're using the word crazy? And I said it was very thoughtful for us uh, as to how we named our podcast. And I had reservation, and we decided to move forward with it. It doesn't mean that it's going to sit well with everyone. But I think when people listen, they understand that we're not uh, besmirching, um, you know, that particular audience, if you will. So I'm glad that Claire apologized. And, you know, it just, again, re- reinforces that we all have a bit of learning to do. Yeah. And, and we're always going to be learning, right? That's the coolest part, I think, about our, our day jobs and, and this podcast is that um, there have been certainly a couple of times where after we've recorded, I've said, oh, my God what what in the heck did I just say? Cut that piece out. Or I've, you know, called you and said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said that completely wrong. Um, and, and that's how we get better. So I, I don't like, I don't like berating people when they mess up terminology because it is always evolving. And I don't think, you know, you, you know, if someone means it, as a, as an aggression or not. Um, and so I think we just need to be focused on education because that's, that's the very first step, right? So we have to get comfortable. And, and I, I relate a little bit to having mental health, right? People are very uncomfortable talking about mental health disabilities because they just can't kind of wrap their heads or wrap their, their, their view around it. And I think transgender, um, works a, a lot the same um, in, in parallel because people are worried about being offensive. They're worried about saying the wrong thing. They're very curious and people just don't have a good resource to go to to get the, the right information um, in their daily lives and a lot of times in their work lives. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I, I think back to, you know, my days in the military uh, over in the Philippines. And in the Philippines, they had something called Billy Boys. And this true story, Julie. And the Billy Boys, what they would do is they would take their genitals and they would put string on them and they would tie them back in between their legs. And so as they were walking down the street, as they showed up in bars, restaurants, in many instances, and when I say many, I mean many. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but it was a very high percentage that if one of the Billy Boys was in conversation with you, you did not know, or you you ha- you you may not have second guessed whether or not you were talking to a man. And it was so many incidents of violence. Because mm-hmm. what would happen is, you know, a lot of servicemen or uh, expats would find themselves yep. inebriated. It's two, three, four in the morning or whatever time it was over there. I mean, bars never closed down. You've taken them back to your home or to a hotel. And now you find out that it's a man and not really a woman. There were so many instances of violence um that happened over in the Philippines and and I just think about you know how much I've evolved in this particular space and in this way 
because when I was 18, 19 years old, you know, I was like, yo, for real, you are not talking to me. Um, and I think I probably said that because the conversations weren't like they are now. You know, it's not as if the person who is transgender, they just want to talk to Tori. They, you know, whether we're talking about sports, we're polit- it's a conversation. Then at 18, 19, it wasn't just a conversation. It was really, you know, it was the pickup, period. It, it was the pickup. There was no, it wasn't any networking. It was truly the pickup. So my feeling back then as a young Torrin was, no, nah, I ain't talking to you. I ain't trying to get to yeah. know you. We're not getting ready to sit up here and pretend like we're friends. So I just really appreciate how I've been able to evolve, how life has assisted me in evolving, because I, I love having transgender friends right now. I absolutely appreciate their perspective, their contribution, um, their presence, if you will. Like, like I'm never threatened. And that's the part that I, I find challenging because many are threatened. Not just men, men and women. Threatened. Yeah. They feel no, threatened I, it, by this. Yeah. And one of the best kind of engagements I've had is a few years ago, um, Kristen Beck, who I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Lady Valor, um, but Chris, Kristen was a Navy SEAL, um, Christopher at that time, um, who, who transitioned into a new life as, as a woman. Um, and she was a speaker at a conference I went to and I, I got to just hang out, right. Talk about her wife, talk about um, my son, who was just, you know, coming out at the time as a, as a young gay man and, and her journey and some of the just incredible things that she's been through as a human being. Um, but what I enjoyed most was just getting to know her as a person. And that, you know, one and a half million people is a lot of people, but our country is so big, probably most, most. Americans haven't met someone who's transgender, especially if you live in, you know, outside of the city or, you know, in the Midwest where things are not as accepted and open as, as they might be on the coast. And and I think that that's where, you know, I've always been an advocate. I've always been an ally, but when we get to know people, you know, and, and have them in our lives and our careers, all those things that you and I are blessed enough to have, we're able to make that transition and that growth so much more organically because it just becomes regular part of life. Yeah. Now, I got to say this to you. You know, I give you the story of the Billy Boys in the Philippines and the 18, 19 year old version of Torn. I'll talk about the current version of Torn. And this is a revelation for me. And it's still something that I'm trying to work through. I'm not a fan of teenagers being able to make this journey, this transitional experience that you you mentioned and and we are discussing. I am still struggling with that. I remember, you know, the case of Dwayne Wade and and um, you mm-hmm. know, his his child uh or their yep. child. Um 
you know, and, and I struggled with that, you know, certainly not in a way where I'm looking at them sideways, but I just, I always ask myself, you know, what, how would I handle, you know, that scenario with my, one of my own children? And I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't, this version of Torin is not going to tell, you know, if I had a 12 year old son or daughter that it's all right and acceptable for them to go through a complete process. That's not something that I've, I've come to terms and come, come to grips with. Um, if I was to meet Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle and their beautiful family, it would, it would not, first of all, I wouldn't be starstruck, but I wouldn't have reservations. You know, I would not be, I'm, I, I see them as, as people and, and I'd enjoy a conversation and it wouldn't be an impediment for me for, and I forget um, their daughter's name. I, I, so I don't want to say the wrong name, um, but it wouldn't be an impediment to me. It wouldn't be me looking sideways. You know how you go over some, some of your friends' houses and, and when they walk out the room, you look at Chad and you like, they, 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 you know, it, it wouldn't be that, you know, it, it, I'm cool with it, but I just don't think that I could support it in, my child. So I'm still working through my own issues with, you know, this and where we allow these decisions to take place in life and at, you know, at what stage of life. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, thank you. Right. It, it's not easy, especially in our, our, our day jobs to be transparent about the biases that we are still working through and, and we all have them and we still all have to work through them. You know, I always say that, that God gives us exactly the right amount that we can handle. Um, and, and so I, I know that as a parent of a, of a, a, a gay man, that I had to draw on resources that were outside of me. Okay. And that's why groups like PFLAG and, and, and GLAD and, um, Oh, the one in New York is going to escape me right now. But those become so critical because LGBTQ youth are the most likely to attempt suicide, um, have addiction issues, become homeless, victims of of sexual assault and, and violence because it is not easy to be a, a parent, period. And then when we are given... I don't want to say outside normal because that's not what I mean, but something that we didn't expect to encounter as a parent, yeah. a lot of parents fail. Yeah. And I am a hundred percent certain if your circumstances changed with one of your, your kiddos that you would be up for the job and you would find those resources that you need. But I think as parents, it's also okay to say, I just don't understand. I don't know because there are other parents who've been through this and and that's, really important yeah no i agree with you a thousand percent you're 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 absolutely right um one thing that i do want to throw in even though it's happening over in london it's something that could very much so happen or perhaps even uh be happening here in the u.s there's a group over in london uh by not a phase and the group is when i say not a phase p-h-a-s-e they're actually offering free alarms for transgender individuals these are ear piercing alarms and of course giving them out so that they can be safe you know when they are 
in communal environments, moving about, um, you know, throughout their day to day, because unfortunately, you know, things are happening to them and the community and they want them to be safe. And I, I want everyone to be safe. And that's part of the reason why, you know, Julie and I didn't hesitate to curate the show this week around the community, because it's really about awareness. You know, a decision that an individual makes as it relates to how they wish to show up is none of my business. That, that's the way that I look at it. it. It absolutely is none of my business. And, and as long as they are not harming themselves, harming me, then I, I see them as, as a friend and, and I want to be supportive so that they feel whole, seen, welcome, all of those other great things. So um, I appreciate the journey that I'm on and learning. Um, but I got to tell you, that, that whole bathroom issue is is still an issue for a lot of people. Um, how, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like organizations need to come with, um, you know, unisex bathrooms? Do you feel like they need to do the men, the women, and then one in the middle, kind of like that family bathroom that people use? What do you, do you have an opinion that you, uh, you know, care to share? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So the, the bathroom issue is a way to stereotype and create fear against transgender individuals, right? So if I am a man who is going to assault or hurt a woman and I dress up as a woman to gain access to the bathroom, that person is someone who is committing a crime who is sexual you know who is an assaultist a rapist he is a criminal that's not the same as being a transgender woman who just needs to use the bathroom mm -hmm. and so when we demonize transgender people and we've done this with with gay men as well as predators that's a trope that is used to keep individuals from having full and fair access. And people who are criminals should be arrested. That's a different conversation. And so I, I really like the bathroom issue has always been something that after I went to Europe for the first time, um, I came back with a different perspective. Like I've always thought, just make the the bathrooms unisex. Like, you know, everybody's individual. I don't really care. Or just go to the bathroom a sign of your your gender expression. Um, but what I saw in Europe is everyone just used the same bathroom, right? Have you ever like gone sightseeing yeah. in Europe? I know you have yeah. because we've been there. And Absolutely. there's like there's a bathroom. I, I went to Versailles and there was a bathroom, and I kind of laughed because the guys had to stand in line just as long as the ladies did. Um, but there, there were not, at least, you know, in, in Western Europe, those same fears or separations of, of sex for those kind of things. And so I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but I think you just should go to the bathroom. We shouldn't demonize people through tropes, which is, is really what I think is the purpose of, of the bathroom ban issue. Um, and, and who really cares? Yeah, well, let me. What do you think? Well, I mean, again, for me, I just think make make a general bathroom you know make make the bathroom um i think about this incredible 
uh, restaurant up in New York City. Uh, it's like a coffee shop. And you walked in one door. So there's one door, uh, a large sink in the middle of that room that you just entered. And then there are, there are six individual rooms with doors on them. Go in and pick a door. If the door is open, use it. That, that, it's just unisex, period. And so I yeah. just think that, you know, we're making too much of a big deal around the bathroom issue. Uh, and I think that, again, inside of our workplaces, we can cut down on some of the stigmas, some of the unnecessary tension uh, by making some, you know, simple decisions, if you will. So for me, I just think putting, you know, unisex bathrooms in office buildings is a smart way to go. But what we'll do is we'll make sure we drop a, it's a bit of a dated article. Uh, it's one that I found. You all may have, uh, you know, found some other ones and feel free to tweet them out to Julie and I. But in the show notes, we're going to include a link to an article as it relates to the bathroom. We're also going to include a link to an article from Sherm, which goes back to a point that Julie made about 20, 25 minutes ago around the journey. Uh, and this article from Sherm is really around when does the transitioning period begin? Uh, and it really talks about, you know, how you you know, maybe evaluate that from an HR perspective inside of your organization. Good, bad, and different. It's just an additional resource for each of you uh, to have at your disposal. So that's that. Um, any name drops for you, Jay? Um, nope, but I am definitely looking forward to our interview next week with Jerome from Smart Recruiters. So he can be my name drop for this week. Oh, beautiful thing. All right. Mine is Joanne Lockwood. You can find her on Twitter at uh, Joe, J-O underscore Lockwood 1965. Again, at Joe, J-O underscore Lockwood, L-O-C-K-W-O-O-D 19. 65 great newsletter uh called inclusion bites so joe happens to be my name drop for the week good show i appreciate you and thanks for um you know making space and allowing me to kind of usher in one of my you know biases as you call them but it's the truth one of my concerns yeah. one of the challenges so thanks for allowing me to have space to do that yeah. Hey, you do it for me all the time, right? That's what we're here for. Beautiful. So I'm looking forward to next week and, and getting some Thanksgiving going and having a great conversation with Jerome. Awesome thing. I close reminding each and every one of you, share the pod with your digital tribe. This is the way that we, we all do better. You share our conversations with them and hopefully they help them to see the world a bit different. Have an awesome rest of the week. Catch me on SiriusXM channel 126, 10 a.m. on Sunday. For now, kid is ghost. See ya. So, Torin, we have a sponsor. Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle. You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto. So give me examples. I mean, it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples. 
So Tom S. said, Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department. Shout out to Tom, but do you have more? Yes, I have another one from Sation who says, Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR. Out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do. So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider. Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks, Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy and the King. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.